you have your Bibles today, we're turning to the book of Luke, chapter number 1. A very familiar passage. We're going to begin reading in verse number 5 this morning. And um, I want to say, my wife and I, we were talking, I don't know, the last two months or so. We've been married 34, going on 35 years now. So you know, if we could do it all over again, what would we do different? Her word, her word to me was the same word that I had to her. This is what we'd do different. We would worry less. We spent a lot of our marriage in fear. In fear of what? Persecution. I mean, I've had my car dented in I, by fists. I've had my truck filled with trash when the services were over. I didn't say anything, but it's happened. Trash that I didn't bring. Trash that they busted the bag open and dumped it out in my truck and laughed about it. And we faced a lot of persecution. You may say, that makes me fight mad, preacher. Well, how do you think I felt? It was hard for me to say, God bless you, when the service was over, because I wanted to go back and blow it out, but God said, let it ride. I know who did it. It's going to be okay. Been a lot of things we worried about for our children. Been a lot of times we worried about for our safety. There's been a lot of times we worried would we have enough? There have been times that I, years, many years ago, didn't say anything, but my paycheck, we had to wait two weeks before it would be good. We didn't say a word. Most of y'all would have left and said, I'm going to get me a new job somewhere else. We know what that's like to have fear and worry and pressure. They say, Preacher, you, look, you have no idea the worries that someone beside you on the pew or who I'm talking to now the worry you have over will it be enough? Am I enough? Beverly hit exactly right. Am I enough? What am I going to do? So I can just say this morning, when you feel like that, welcome to the club. Because I can identify. Can I get a witness? You ever been there? So this morning I want to preach on this thought. Freedom from fear. Freedom from fear. We read in Luke chapter 1. Would you stand to your feet? Verse number 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, or her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel of the Lord said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. Thou shalt call his name John. We know that in verse 18, Zacharias said, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, verse 18, and my wife well stricken in years. Verse 19, the angel said, I am Gabriel. 
I was sent to speak to you. Verse 20, Behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the days that these things shall be performed because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. Zacharias, God's man, a priest, once in a lifetime opportunity to go into the temple and burn incense in the holy place before God Almighty. And when he walked in, he saw an angel. And he thought, oh Lord, I'm going to die. I'm unworthy. I'm not enough. God's going to kill me. And ready to die, the angel said, Fear not, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Your wife Elizabeth shall have the son y'all been praying for all these years. Fear not, your prayer is heard. And yet, fear struck his heart in unbelief. I want to talk about that this morning. Father, would you give us freedom from fear today? Lord, I know that people say that's an impossibility. That just can't happen. But God, you're a God of the impossibilities. You can do all things. Would you help somebody today that's struggling with fear and anxiety and worry and depression and grief and woe and angst? Lord, would you help them today, I pray, in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, amen. amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated this morning. I begin to think about some people who may have struggled with fear. The Bible's filled with them. Let's just go back to the beginning of our nation. There were 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence. And when they signed that Declaration of Independence from Great Britain, that's also a Declaration of Dependence on God. Now we have some revision historians. I call them the woke crowd. The woke can choke. Amen? Who for some reason want to forget that our nation was founded on God. These men had such a desire for freedom that they were willing to put their life and their property in jeopardy. The, the declaration says, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. Let me say it again. A firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. We mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. They said we are coming out from the tyranny of Great Britain. We're not afraid of the king's army and the king's navy and the king's soldiers and the king's power. We are placing ourselves under the hand of Almighty God. They were not afraid. But today, Americans are filled with fear. It's a shame because as we see prosperity growing and growing and growing, we are watching the spiritual barometer dropping in our nation. The floodgates of immorality are flooding America. And there's a new tyrant in the land, and it's not the king, it's Satan. What we need to do is declare a declaration of independence from the devil and a declaration of dependence upon God. In the Bible, there are men stalked with fear. Moses was afraid of Pharaoh. He was afraid of rejection. 
He was afraid of failure. The disciples feared the storm. I could go on and on. I don't have time. But none of that has changed. We live in troublesome times. We are fearful times. Pandemics. Amen. Economic woe. Can I get a witness? Violence. You can't go through cities or, or just through country rural places anymore. And a time at Christmas when it ought to be joyous and festive and cross-centered, people are struggling with real fears. They're afraid of losing their health. Amen. They're afraid of losing their wealth. They're afraid of losing their loved ones. And there are some that are afraid of losing life itself. Fear's not healthy. It's damaging. It's destructive. And it's debilitating. Zacharias is frozen with fear. And he said, because you would not believe, you're going to be smitten dumb. In other words, you're not going to be able to speak or share anymore. And I believe Zacharias, as a man of God, went back through the Word of God, trying to get his heart right, because his heart was filled with unbelief at seeing the angel and hearing his words. Those were the last things he was able to hear. I believe he turned to the Scripture. I think about Psalm 91. Psalm 91. I'll look at verse number 5. Psalm 91, verse 5. Thou shalt not be afraid. I believe that Zacharias, more than likely, turned and read this psalm himself. I could quote more. I could, I could say, what time I'm afraid? I will trust in thee. I can give you verse after verse after verse about fear. But I want to look at this chapter. There are three things here I believe we can see that would give us freedom from fear. Number one. Verse number one says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Can I ask you a question? When you were a kid, did you have a hiding place? We did. We had a little place out in the woods. We had another little place out behind the old barn. We had a little secret place. It wasn't real secret, but we thought it was. It was a hiding place. It was our getaway. When we needed a place to go, some sort of a refuge, some type of a getaway, we had that secret place. Some people, if you want to choose a secret place, you might have a cabin up in the woods or a cabin down by the lake or for me, a condo at the ocean. That sounds good. <laughs> Our president has a hiding place. It's called Camp David. He can go there and retreat and have a getaway and meet with whoever he wants to and you'll never find out about it. Well, I want to say this morning, we have a hiding place. The Lord Jesus talked about that. Number one, we need to discover the secret place. Number one, discover the secret place. The Lord talked about the secret place. And he told us we need to go to it every day. Listen to it. It's in Matthew 6, verse 6. Listen. When thou prayest, enter into thy closet. Shut the door. Pray to thy Father, which is in secret. And the Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. All of us, according to verse 1 of Psalm 91, have a secret place. I'm going to get tore up. 
This morning, Brother Bobby, before I came to this church, I went to the secret place. Have you been to the secret place before God Almighty this morning and seeking His face and praying about the need of the hour? Amen. We need to discover the secret place. When we come to the secret place, we're not there to inform God. There's nothing we can tell Him about what's going on that He doesn't already know. We're not there to impress God with vain repetitions and with long speeches and elaborate words. He's God. He knows what it, the words help me means this morning. Sometimes, man, I've been so afraid at times with some of the things that I've faced in my life where I had about half the church turn on me. Man, my body just shake all over when I wake up in the mornings because fear, the enemy trying to set in fear in my heart and fear in my life. Have you ever been there? I'm telling you this morning, when we go to the secret place, we're not informing him, we're not impressing him, we're there to invite him. What are we inviting him to, preacher Dan? Well, we mentioned the one that's having a birthday party coming up. He's invited everyone, if you want to, come to my birthday party. When we say, God, I'm inviting you into my heart, Lord, I'm inviting you into my life. Take control of my life. Take control of this situation. We, number one, need to discover the secret place. Number two, we need to dwell in the sacred place. Now let's read it again. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall Abide, there's our word, dwell and abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Did you know when a child of God comes into the secret place, when he's praying, shutting the door, he's coming into the sacred place. You know what you're doing when you pray? You are ushered in to the holy of holies. Zacharias was afraid when he saw the angel he was going to be smitten because he was unworthy. He was not enough to be in there. But guess what? When Jesus died on the cross, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And Jesus was saying, you can come on in now. You're accepted in me. I'll receive you every single day. Imagine that you are a Moabite. The Bible says that the Moabite has a curse upon them. They're not allowed to come into the congregation of God. Imagine in the wilderness when they saw the tabernacle with its white curtains hanging all around and a Moabite says, what is that? Speaking to an Israelite. The Israelite says, that's our tabernacle. He says, well, can I go in there? No, you can't because you need to be born again as an Israelite to go in there. You are not allowed. He says, well, if I was born again as an Israelite, could I go in there and could I begin to uh, offer praise? And said, no, you would have to be a Levite of the Israelites to do that. Oh, well, if I became a Levite of the Israelites, could I then go in there and offer a sacrifice? No, you can't do that. The only one that can go in the Holy of Holies is the high priest. 
And he can only go in with the blood once a year. You see, not enough, not enough, not enough. But praise God this morning, because the veil was rent in two, I've been born again and I'm invited in. I can offer sacrifice. I can offer praise. I can make my petition known. I can pour out to him my fears. And he hears my prayer, my prayers. The secret place becomes a sacred place. Thank God for it. And we are invited in. Amen. Thank God for that this morning. There's nothing more wonderful than to go in and have fellowship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The Bible says that when you go in there, when you go in, you're going to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, I have a shadow right here. Seth, get up. I want you to come stand in my shadow. Come on. Stand in my shadow. You got to get close, don't you? Yep. Hey, thank you, son. You got to get close to stand in the shadow. God said, draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. Amen. The secret place is the sacred place. Number three, and I'll be done. Look at verse two. The psalmist, who was, had a lot of issues going on, a lot of fears in his life, writes, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Number three, you need to depend in the safest place. Now the psalm is describing his fortress and there are four components of his fortress. This is where I want to anchor. If you're going to get freedom from fear, you've got to have these four components. If you're going to make a declaration of independence from Satan and a declaration of dependence on God, you've got to see these four components found in these first two verses. Look at the first one. I want you to see the strength of the fortress. Verse 1 again. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. The word is El Elyon, E-L-Y-O-N. It means the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth. He owns everything. Everything is beneath him. Your fortress, your safe place, your secret place must be in the highest, safest place that there is. You are seated with him in the heaven of heavens. And everybody knows that the highest place is the safest place. Look at verse 14. Look at verse 14. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. What God says, because you love me and you look to me, I'm going to set you on high. What does that mean? He says, I'm going to lift you up from your fear. I'm going to lift you up from your anxiety. And I'm going to put you and seat you with me at my table, at my throne, in the heaven of heavens, in the heavenlies. Thank God for it. Why? Because he's known my name. What's his name? El Elyon. He's the most high God. There's strength in the fortress. You've got to know that. Number two, there's the sufficiency of the fortress. He's got a second name found in verse one. It's the word almighty. Say that with me, almighty. In the Hebrew, it's El Shaddai. Say that, El Shaddai. El Shaddai. You know what that means? It means 
that he's the all-sufficient God. That he has all the necessities. He's self-sustained and he's able to sustain you. There's not one need, not one thing that you have a need of that he can't supply. Not one good thing that he will hold back from you. Honey, when you have fear that your needs aren't going to be met, just go ahead and rest because in your fortress, he has every single thing that you need. For a fortress to be worthwhile, it must be self-contained. There are many men that built fortresses, but they had to have food and rations put up. And guess what? Earthly speaking, their rations will run out. I could tell you about a guy in Europe that had this great, man, he had this great castle and this big moat around it, and he had all these, I mean, to go three years, all this, everything he needed for three years. And he went two years, and finally he had to leave his castle and go to the city, and they recognized him. And he jumped in the cab, and guess what they did? They caught him in his cab and put him in front of a firing squad and killed him. You see what? His fortress wasn't safe enough. But honey, my fortress and your fortress is safe enough. It's strong enough. His supply will never run out. He feeds every bird every meal they need. I have never seen a bird with a sign around its neck that says, I will chirp for food. God takes care of them. If these billionaires a day had to take care of all the birds, they'd run out of money before lunch. And yet my God feeds them every single day and he feeds every single one of his people every single day. You see, God just keeps on giving and giving and giving and yet he giveth again. He's the all-sufficient God. You've got to know that your fortress is strong and you've got to know that your fortress is sufficient. Thirdly, there we must see the stability of the fortress. Look at verse 2. The Lord is my refuge. The word Lord. You know what it is in the Hebrew? Jehovah. Say it with me. You just called on God when you said it. That means that he saves. It means he's Lord of lords and King of kings. He is the great I am. He's the God without a beginning and he's the God without ending. He's the God that cannot change. He is the God that is forever and ever and ever. There are some fortresses that can be dismantled. You can go and see, well, here, here is the foundation of a great fortress that once stood, but it's been taken down. It's been dismantled. It's been defeated. But honey, this morning, you'll never find one person that's ever defeated the fortress of Almighty God. Thank God for it. His fortress stands forever. I hope some young preacher will hear me this morning. Will you hear me, son? A young preacher came to a church. It was just a country church. And sometimes in a country church, you'll find one what we call a bell cow deacon. He's the one who thinks I was here when the preacher got here, and I'll be the one when the preacher leaves, I'll be the one still running the show. So the bell cow deacon, he says, Son, I want you to know who I am. I'm so-and-so. I make the motions around here. I'm the one that approves the budget and so on and so forth. And I want you to know that if you'll just work with me and get along with me, and if you'll just trust me, everything will go real smooth. But see, that young preacher had just enough green about him to say this, Sir, with all due respect, I come to this church trusting the Lord to meet all my needs. And suppose I transferred my trust from him to you 
you might just up and die on me, and then what will I do? And it made the deacon mad, and three months later, the deacon died and went out and met God. And the preacher thought, I sure am glad that I didn't put my trust in a man, but I took, put my trust in God who never dies, who's never defeated, who will always stand forever and ever and ever. I would ask you a question today for you that are afraid. Maybe I might question, then what have you been trusting in? If you're trusting the government, you ought to be afraid. If you're trusting uh, the gas prices and OPEC and you're trusting the stock market, you ought to be shivering in your timbers, right, if that's what you trust. But I have good news for you. If you trust Jehovah, if you trust El Shaddai, if you trust El Elyon, you're in good shape today. You can count on him, amen. There's a fourth word here. He's my refuge, verse 2, and my fortress, my God. The word for God in the Hebrew is Elohim. Say it, Elohim. He's eternal. That means he's creator God. There's nothing that he cannot do. He is our fortress. Do you, let me say today, you can take every problem to him. You can, everything, you can trust him. There's security in him, sufficiency in him, stability in him. He's my all in all. That's what it means. He is my all in all. Is God your all in all? Or is it your spouse? Or is it, you got quiet, didn't it? Is it your children? See, will you come here, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you right now, you need to learn this. That if you're putting your spouse before God, it's unhealthy. And if God takes your spouse out of your life, what do you have then? If your children is your all in all and God moves your children out of your life, what do you have then? God sent me here to tell you he wants to be your all in all. And when you don't feel like you're enough, he says, I'll take the little bit that you are and me and you are more than enough. Amen. Now, I don't have time to develop all this. So I, I got just a few minutes left, and I just, want to, I just want to read this real quick. Look at verse 3. The psalmist mentions some things that you're going to be delivered from when you trust God as your fortress. Verse 3, surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. Snare. God will deliver you, write it down, from deception. Verse 5, thou shalt not be afraid for their terror by night, God will deliver you from death. Verse 7, a thousand shall fall at thy side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. God will deliver you from destruction. Verse number 10, there shall no evil befall thee. Look at this. Neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. God said he'd deliver you from disease. Verse 12, they shall bear thee up in thy hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. He'll deliver you from disaster. Look at verse 13, thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shall tramp, shalt thou trample under feet. That's the devil and demons. Oh, wait, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. Whoa, preacher, whoa. I've had COVID and plagues. I, I've had death enter my home. I, preacher Darren, 
I thought the fortress would deliver me this morning. You mean God will never allow this? No. What God's saying is I will never let anything come into your life except what I allow to work for your good and for my glory. That's where you have to trust him. Oh, wait, Preacher Darren, oh, wait a minute. It's a little bit more, it's a little bit more than I was bargaining for. When you discover the secret place, you will dwell in the sacred place, and then you're going to find what we would just call good old dependency upon the Lord to be that 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 sufficient place, that that secure place in your life. Now I want you to hear what Spurgeon had to say right here. It is impossible, listen, it is impossible that any ill should happen to the man who's beloved of the Lord. The most crushing calamities can only shorten his journey, but will thus hasten him to his reward. So ill to him is no ill. It is good in a mysterious form. Losses enrich him. Sickness is his medicine. Reproach is his honor. And death is his gain. No evil in the strict sense of the word can happen to him for everything in his life is overruled by God for his good. Happy must be one who is in such a case. He is secure while others are in peril. He lives while others die. Preacher, I didn't see it that way. Yeah, I wish I'd have seen it. I wish somebody told me. I wish I'd have got in the word of God. Zacharias, you thought you was going to die. Zacharias, you've been smitten dumb and, and now you cannot speak. And he gets in the word of God. And nine months later, when the baby's born and they want to name him Zacharias Jr. He said, bless God, give me a writing tablet. And he writes, his name is John. That means God is gracious. You see what he's done is he's got in the secret place. He's got in the sacred place. And from that point, God loosed his tongue and he began to testify. God said, I will not give you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It's what God gave you. Now, I have a natural fear of rattlesnakes. Two kind of snakes I'm afraid of, only two, live ones and dead ones. I have a fear of electricity. I respect it. I have a fear of God. I respect him. But when it comes to other things, God said, Thou shalt not fear, because I've taken care of this for you. My grandfather, I've told it before. My grandfather got a job very early in his life, a job that he had to walk to, a job that he knew there were robbers and peril in that day, across the mountain and a valley low and another mountain to the job. And he went and worked, and he would try to come home. But in the wintertime, it gets dark early. And in the wintertime, he tried to stay there where his job was. And finally his daddy said, son, 
Me and your mama can't stand to be without you this weekend. You've got to come home so your mama can lay eyes on you. And my grandpa said, son, I didn't want to go because I was afraid. I was afraid of bears. And I was afraid of robbers. I was afraid of death. And he said, and I started home because my mama, I could see my mama telling me I need to come home. And he said, I started that journey. And I sure enough trying to go fast, but it got dark. And I was so timid and so scared and so worried. And he said, finally, I seen as I'd come through the valley, I seen a shadow. It was a man moving towards me aggressively. And I started to back up and I said, who, who, who? Who's there? Who, who are you? Identify yourself. He said, son, it's your daddy. I thought you might be afraid, and I want to walk you the rest of the way home. That's helping me this morning. You may be here today, and you may be afraid. You don't have enough money to pay the bills. All your friends are walking out on you. People's turned their back on you. You don't know what about the future for your job, who you're going to marry. You don't have a girlfriend, don't have a boyfriend. I'm so afraid, preacher, of being alone. What am I going to do? And here you are in the valley. Who, who are you? And God showed up to say, it's me, son. I've come to walk you the rest of the way home. I'm going to take you to my fortress. Me and you are going to get in the secret place. Me and you are going to get in the sacred place. And we're going to dwell there together. I want to be with you, says my God. God wants us to have freedom from fear. He doesn't want you to be afraid. He wants you to rest and depend and trust upon Him. That's the message God gave me. I hope it spoke to somebody's heart today. Would you stand to your feet? There may be somebody that need to get on your knees and say, God, I need this freedom from fear. God, I need to seek your face this morning, Lord. Would you walk me the rest of the way home, God? Would you deliver me, God? Would you give me liberty? The Bible says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That means freedom. Freedom from fear. Freedom from anxieties. Freedom from the worries and the cares and the dreads of this old life. Oh God, give us a different viewpoint today. Father, this morning we bow in your presence. God, to give you praise, glory, and honor, sir. And Lord, we report to you, little old fearful beings. Lord, we're afraid about many things. And yet, God, you already know that you have every supply that I ever need. And it's yours to give to me if I would depend upon you and I'd trust you and I'd look to you. God, I want to take the time to thank you this morning for being everything that I've ever needed in my life. You've been my Savior the lover of my soul, the forgiver of my sin. You've been a friend that sticketh closer than any brother. So, Lord, my dependency is not upon my family, though I love them. Lord, I love my wife. I love my children. I love my mom, my dad. I love my brother. But, Lord, they can't stay with me here forever on this earth. But, God, you can. And one day, 
I'll be reunited with my loved ones. But I'm not there because of my loved ones. I'm there because of you. <laughs> and God today, Lord, I want to get under the shadow of the Almighty. I want to get close to you today, Lord. Would you help us, God, to have freedom from fear? Deliver us, God, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.